Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Sawcox. In this week's edition of Insight, it all feels a bit Groundhog Day, which allows me to shoehorn some classic Bill Murray into the discussion. It's not pucks tawny, but for better or worse, we're still fascinated by the weather forecast. IAG's intermediary division have been watching reruns of Ghostbusters and are following the mantra, we came, we saw, we kicked its ass. And we're not saying the potential Zurich sale is like Caddyshack. There are developments behind the scenes. So they got that going for them, which is nice. Hello, everyone. On our panel today are Deputy Editor Wendy Pugh, Managing Editor John Deeks, and Chairman Terry McMullen. Hello, John. Hi. What did you do with the extra time after the cricket kept finishing so early over summer? I, I, I just sort of watched the reruns <laughs> of that uh, final over with uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Anderson and Brody. Uh, pushing for that glorious draw. Uh, that says a lot. The one glorious draw, the highlights of the series. Well, good morning, Terry. What did do you get for Christmas? Uh, well, I, I did get the gift of watching The Ashes, which was, <laughs> I have to say, kind of nice. Sorry, John. And good morning, Wendy. Good morning. What did you get up to on your break? Oh, well, it's nice to have a um, sort of a Christmas without too many problems and a bit of time by the beach and all the usual sort of summer holiday things. That's pretty nice. Excellent. No more flooding, I hope. Well, there was actually, but (laughs) apart from that. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, that was that's a beautiful segue into the first of our uh, discussions of the news. John. Where's all this catastrophic weather that we were expecting? Well, yes, we, we were warned to expect the worst with a, with a La Nina uh, weather phenomenon underway, but it hasn't really happened so far, has it? At least not this summer. Um, there have been some pretty severe storms and the odd bushfire, but they've been very localised, so claims haven't really stacked up, certainly not to uh, insurance catastrophe level anyway. Um, those of us living in Melbourne probably saw some pretty impressive thunderstorms last week, but the ICA says those events only added up to about two and a half thousand claims, which isn't huge. We've also come through three tropical cyclones this season already, uh, relatively unscathed. But of course, the minute we get complacent, something awful will probably happen. Let's not forget the floods that swept through New South Wales and Queensland in March last year. I was going to ask whether we're um, speaking too early, but um, are we still in La Nina? Yes, we are at the moment. Uh, The Bureau says that the uh, La Nina conditions continue. uh, And as we know, this does mean floods are more likely across much of Australia. But the good news is that the, the weather system is likely to have peaked already and it should start petering out by early autumn. However, as I said before, last year's La Nina event had a serious sting in the tail. And of course, this country is more than capable of delivering extreme weather events, even when conditions in the tropical Pacific are neutral. Well, it's good news so far, you know, for the uh, cyclone reinsurance pool, because uh, uh, not a lot has happened. But Wendy, you unearthed an interesting submission over the summer, didn't you? Well, um, RACQ released their submission on the draft legislation. And, you know, they point out that the actual pricing arrangements and modelling that are really critical for how this is going to work haven't been spelled out. And that needs to be shared as soon as possible. Uh, and they're also seeking to have, um, you know, motor included and to have the, the trigger for cover changed a bit, given the amount of damage that happens, um, you know, immediately after a cyclone, after it's been downgraded. 
Um, and, and firms still need to have their other commercial reinsurance arrangements um, in place as well. And RACQ says they need to know how they, they're going to fit together and that should be as seamless as possible. But um, without some fast action, they see it's pretty tough to see the... Um, the pool operating and accessible to insurers on this proposed um, July 1 start date. So what happens now? Well, the, the, the draft legislation um, needs to be finalised, um, introduced into Parliament and passed, which could happen over the next couple of months. But this, And there still needs to be this um, further consultation on these other details, such as, um, such as pricing. And, and all that, of course, you know, needs to be um, uh, bedded down before it can uh, really start running. Right. Well, John, information has been trickling out through the press in recent weeks on the potential sale of Zurich's general insurance operations in Australia. What's the latest on that? Yes, uh, so we reported this last year that uh, Zurich apparently is going through a process to sell its general insurance operations in this country, minus the travel insurance business that it has here. And readers of the Australian newspaper will have been getting regular updates thanks to a source who is allegedly close to the process. The latest in that newspaper is that Suncorp is emerging as the favourite QBE was previously the favourite a while back, but has apparently fallen away. And the same could be said for Chubb, who just days ago were one of the one of the most likely purchases, apparently, but now they've taken a back seat as well. This should all sort of come with a caveat that, of course, we don't know that what the Australian is reporting will turn out to be the case. In fact, the last major acquisition when Hollard acquired the, the general insurance business of CBA. Uh, I don't recall Hollard being uh, <coughs> predict, predicted to be the, out, the, the eventual winner of that uh, process. So we will have to wait and see what happens. And of course, we have to remember that Zurich hasn't confirmed anything. Uh, they haven't even confirmed that, that the business is for sale. So yeah, we just have to watch and wait, but it's a fascinating, fascinating one to follow. So Terry, I am reading between the lines. John is saying that the Australian are talking a lot, but don't actually have any facts behind them. Who would your money be on? Look, we, we can't say for sure that a sale is even going on. Uh, and our industry contacts are certainly being cagey discussing any sale. Maybe that's because they're involved in a bidding process or because they don't know what's going on either. So let's face it, we're all relying on a single financial journalist who's obviously being fed information by whoever's doing the sales job. All that speculation about who's interested and who's not is a pretty classic way to keep potential buyers anxious. Um, Zurich's become a smaller player in general insurance over the past 10 years. While the life and investments business is making money, the, the general insurance operations working in a far more competitive environment than it, it did, say, 10 years ago. Um, the market's changed a lot in that time, and it's altogether possible that the competition has squeezed the margins too far for the gnomes of Zurich. But Zurich's a, a global company and, and just holding on to cover more, sort of, I can understand, but it, its global clients expect their insurer to be able to handle their risk needs anywhere in the world. So I'd assume there would have to be some form of general insurance presence in Australia, no matter what happens with its local portfolio, which is a very long way of saying, I've got no idea. Wendy, your New Year's resolution was not to report on any more regulatory reform, but it looks like that's about to change. 
Can you tell us about the consumer data right and how it might affect insurance? Yes, well, um, this is an arrangement that allows uh, consumers uh, to give permission for the uh, sharing um, of data that's held about them. So it's, it's, it's already been introduced with uh, open banking um, and it's meant to make it easier to switch from one bank or product to another without filling out reams of uh, new documentation because you just give permission for all of the existing details about you in the system to be uh, passed on. Um, so uh, this is also being introduced for uh, other areas such as telecommunications and the government says that after after that, it will um, be introduced to open finance, which includes superannuation uh, and insurance. Uh, but, you know, data collection for insurance purposes isn't the same as data collection for getting a loan. So there are, you know, a lot of questions as to, to how, how it can work in practice as it gets rolled out to other, other sectors. Well, my experience with open banking is that it hasn't made much of a difference and I still have to fill in reams and reams of forms. But do you see any, any obvious issues here, Terry? Oh, plenty. Um, insurance is, is an amazingly data-rich industry, but it's how it uses that data that, that certainly is uniform. You can't just lump insurance in with other financial services industries that use data in a completely different way. In insurance, there's a very wide range of products and insurers are likely to handle each of those products and their risk assessments in, in different ways. If this is just about making it easier for customers to switch insurers, it has the potential to really cause a lot of confusion. And as our analysis uh, yesterday pointed out, in, in most of insurance products, we're insuring assets rather than people, which means the focus on insurance and brokers or, or for insurers and brokers is on the risk rather than the individual. So we just have to accept this is happening. We also have to hope the regulators recognise the very sharp differences between general insurance and things like banking and superannuation. Well, you've made up for uh, your previous answer sitting on the fence with that one. Thank you, Terry. Now, we knew that IAG was going to have a close look at its intermediary division, and they brought a well-known industry figure to help achieve their aims, haven't they, Wendy? Yes, they've appointed Darren O'Connell who starts this week as Executive General Manager Underwriting. And uh, Darren um, O'Connell was most recently with Suncorp, where he was EGM commercial intermediaries and had responsibility for pricing and, and profitable growth strategies. So, so that's been a key uh, appointment in completing the leadership team at the IAG Australian Intermediated Business. Terry, is this a good signing? A very good one. That's a really good team that Jared Hill's putting together at IAG's intermediated division. Uh, and it's a good sign that it's serious about rebuilding the presence of CGU in particular. So signing on Darren O'Connell, who I think starts today, um, is a really, really good move by uh, Jared Hill. There's 35 years of, exper uh, of experience with, with um, Darren O'Connell. I don't know anyone who doesn't respect and admire Doc as he's commonly known, by the way, CGU people. So I think he'll be a major asset for them. Well, finally, Terry, we're launching a new service this week called The Broker. What's it all about and why is it needed? Well, we're really excited about this because we've been, you know, working and, and talking a, a, about this for, for quite a while. Andrew, we, we recognised a long time ago that brokers and their associated staff are actually a major part of our readership. I think a third of our subscribers, so that's, that's you know, 
somewhere between 10 and 11,000 identifiers brokers. And as I spent 11 years consulting on communications to Niba, I think I grew up in this industry believing that brokers are unique in the insurance world. So on Thursday this week, we're launching a specialised newsletter aimed specifically at brokers, and it's called simply The Broker. Uh, Our intention is to go deeper into the industry's issues, looking at them from the perspective of the professional who sits between the insurer and the customer. We want to really introduce people to brokers old and new alongside material that's relevant to them, whether that be news, interviews, profiles, regulatory updates, all those sorts of things. Um, Our main bulletins have always included news about brokers and broking and relevant issues, of course, and so we'll continue to do so in our main bulletins. But we do recognise that a broker has to balance the needs of the customer with the realities of the marketplace. And I think there there are ways that that we can help that. It's a technical challenge. uh, And I think that we'll give everyone in the industry a greater understanding of the way brokers approach issues and the different ways that they look at things and why their opinions are so important. So the broker will be out on Thursday and every fortnight after that. It's, as I said, it's a really exciting project and we can't wait. Yet another thing I had to uh, read and try and understand. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Insight podcast by Insurance News. We're looking forward to a more positive 2022, but however the issues arise, Insurance News is there to investigate, report and review. Thank you once again to our panel, John Deeks, Terry McMullen and Wendy Pugh. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Insight Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, and all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week.